What's up, inmates and five-star freaks? This is The Last Call for all future outlaws as we board the hype train for Crime Update. So, Crime Update. You're probably wondering, what the hell? I thought this was a gag for any... Wrestle update, longtime listeners. You know that we've been teasing a crime update for months now, if not years, subconsciously, just putting it into the cultural collective consciousness. And here we are crime, C R I M E, championships, rivalries, independence, matches, and everything else. This is the show for the obscure the underrated, the weird, all of the stuff that I have the time to watch at 11 p.m., Um, but Dylan doesn't because he's also watching all of the best stuff from Japan and Mexico and really all over the world. So here I am to, you know, again, talk about the criminally underrated, the U.S. independent wrestling scene. Um, So that's pretty much it. Each week, I'm going to try to find what I can, new, old, familiar, um, and just experience, you know, try to build a better understanding of what the current landscape of independent uh, pro wrestling in America looks like. And I'm talking from your deathmatch companies to your big, uh, you know, local territory or local promotions like a defy a prestige touring ones like gcw um to like really small and obscure ones like an sos from tacoma or i don't know i guess we'll find out together so the way we're going to do this is each week we're going to break it down into territories like it is the 1980s and this week we're going to be starting up in the northwest with prestiges roseland seven out of portland oregon and the titular Roseland Theater. This was a really fun show overall. For those unfamiliar with Prestige, they are a Northwest-based brand, along with Defy, probably the largest in the region. Roseland is their, you know, quote-unquote WrestleMania, their home base, their number one venue, the Roseland Theater. So they put out a lot of big hits, brought in some big names, and really paid off some big programs here. So let's get into it. First up, Sinner and Saint defeat C4 for the Prestige Tag Team Championships. Um, Sinner and Saint, the team of Judas Icarus and Travis Williams and C4, Guillermo Rojas, Rosas and Cody Chun. Um, these fucking guys. C4, remarkable baby faces. All of the um, heat in the world that, you know, you could want. Um, these are like your, the pinnacle of Northwest baby faces, really, this tag team here. Uh, a pretty good comparison would be something like a. DIY, right? Guillermo's more of a chomp, a little bit rough around the edges in terms of attitude and stuff. He might brawl, he might bring in chairs, and Cody's your just absolute white meat baby face. Um, I thought this match was pretty good for an opener. I gave it a solid three and a half stars. Um, you know, this it it ended with an interference finish. Um, 
by Alan Angels on behalf of Sinner and Saint. I didn't quite think that this match needed the interference finish, especially following the midnight heat rivalry with C4 that had a lot of similar tropes. Um, and I don't think it was necessary. You know, we can let C4 lose. Um, this was a really great match. And, it, you know, Sinner and Saint are picking up championships everywhere. Smash, Prestige. Um, let's let them go over clean. Let's build up this future. You know what I'm saying? Next up, we had Sky Blue versus the local Liza Hall. Um, another sort of unfortunate Code Blue botch. It feels like we're at a 50-50 right now. Um, you know, it's like Cyberpunk 2077 when I call my motorcycle. It's like it either kills me or it works totally fine. And, you know, it's kind of endearing in both ways. I thought this was a pretty good match otherwise outside of the end botch. Liza Hall is a pretty cool technical grappler. Um, and we'll talk about her more later. But uh, yeah, a really good showcase for a local talent facing the TV AEW star Sky Blue. Next up, we had Jordan Cruz versus Jaden. Jaden, the superhero of the Northwest, gets absolutely squashed by Jordan Cruz. Um, this was maybe three minutes. Cruz looks like a beast. He looks like a 2013 NXT Mason Rhyme monster. And I'm interested to see what they do with Jaden after a pretty strong showing in the Cascadia Cup last year. I expected a little bit more resilience from this one, but hey, maybe he's just the next Kobashi. Let's let's beat him in the dirt, um, and then he'll win a match. So, also just to backtrack, Sky Blue versus Liza Hall, two and three quarters. I'd give Jordan Cruz and Jaden two stars. Uh, it accomplished what it needed to, but not a memorable squash by any means, other than perhaps the fact that it happened. Next up, we had Leo Rush versus Samurai Del Sol. Um, this is not my kind of match. Uh, I like Leo Rush a lot when he's in Japan. Um, I actually enjoyed him quite a bit on these recent GCW shows, which I'll talk about. But, uh, you know, I think my least favorite aspect of Prestige is probably the commentary. Um, you know, it, it sometimes seems like they're bringing up facts or, uh, you know, random old memories or things that they were connected to in previous promotions. And, you know, again, this is historical consciousness that we're recollecting, but these aren't necessarily good things. So when Samurai Del Sol comes out and you start talking about his good uh, good Lucha Things promo, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, man, this guy was a joke. That's not building up a star for a match that's about to happen. That's just like throwing whatever general knowledge you have. Let's talk about him in PWG. Let's talk about any other moment in his career other than good Lucha Things, please. Um, this match was fine. I gave it two and a half stars. Uh Pretty average, you know, this is a well-worked match, um, but it's one of those matches that sort of just happens and there's real no, like, there's no lingering uh, effects of it. It, it just sort of happened. Um, next up, my match of the night, Drexel defeats Amira in a crazy death match. I'm talking big bundles, crazy contraptions, all sorts of blood. As far as I know, this was Amira's first ever death match. I'm talking picture, picture fucking, I guess, you know, this is like Roxy snapping in NXT right now. And um, this is badass, man. Drexel, the devil of the Northwest, long time uh, 
deathmatch wrestler, 20-year vet, hailing out of there. Amira, a young rookie, she's on the cover, bottom left of the crime update art. So, uh, what is he thinking of myself for making that? God, sorry, I'm in a hyper focus right now. Um, I, it's no secret, I love death matches. I have a bias towards them. And a first time death match is such a special thing. I'm talking Oren Vite, uh, Cole Radrick, Alex Cologne, Zachary Wentz. Um, fuck, Elena Black, now known as Cora Jade versus Jimmy fucking Lloyd, the different boy. Uh, so Amira versus Drexel was another in a long line of just visceral, uh, you know, beautiful, unique pageantries of violence. Um, this had a very emotionally resonant post-match promo by Drexel, who, you know, really put over Amira after he had defeated her. Um, and I mean, both of them took pretty much everything you could imagine in this. They were not shying away from anything. Uh, you know, Amira, first timer, was fully committed to the absolute um, violent plunder of the match. And Drexel thanked her for it in the end. You know, death matches, you bleed together, you bond together. It's a beautiful thing. I gave this one four and a quarter stars. Could maybe even go a little bit higher on it on a rewatch. After this, probably biggest names on the show in terms of a Timothy Thatcher defeating Josh Alexander of TNA. Really sound technical work. Um, you know, in comparison to the Leo Russian Samurai Del Sol match, which is, you know, one that sort of just happened when I look back and I'm thinking of who were the big names on that show, right? It's going to be Thatcher and Alexander here in this match. Um, solid three and a half stars. They went about 15 minutes, you know, for the hardcore, maybe not just so much prestige local fans and whatnot who have their favorites in an Amira, C4, Sinner and Saint, Alan Angels. Not that he's anyone's favorite, probably. He's a decrepit piece of shit heel. You know, how could we love a guy like that? But that's all to say, this was just a solid match all around. Next up, semi-main event, Willow Nightingale defeating Sandra Moon. I loved this one as well. I gave it three and a half stars um, in contrast to Thatcher and Alexander, which is just a straight up wrestling match. This, you know, really played into the the idiosyncrasies of these characters, you know, the match begins with a smile off and, and this isn't, you know, some cheesy bullshit thing. This is fun. We are humans. We love happiness. Let's have a smile off. Um, and then, of course, we pivot to absolute hard hitting shots, massive throws, fucking doctor bombs, everything you could want from a really sound Willow match. It's physical, the good brawling. Um, you know, the, the, the sort of code switching between, um, the, you know, the, the text, the font in Willow's top name to the font in Willow's bottom name. I'm talking, uh, cartoon to death metal and I love it. Um, three and a half stars. And then our main event, Alex Shelley retaining his prestige world championship against Alan Angels, Chris Saban, and a surprise, Nick Wayne, um, you know, there was X in this match and Nick Wayne uh, was the surprise, which seemed to be a theme throughout the past week. So we'll talk about that. But, you know, this, oof, it's hard to talk about. It's a good fatal four-way. The story here is, you know, obviously Shelly and Saban, the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, Angels is the top heel, Wayne, the returning sort of tweener. We don't really know where he exists from 
the patriarchy to the, you know, the, the prince of the Northwest, um, where he is on that exact spectrum of characters. So it's a three on one for quite a bit at first. Wayne winds up taking himself out in the end. It's a quick fi finishing sequence with the three other men with Shelly getting the pin in the end. Um, honestly, the entire time I was watching this match, I just kept thinking to myself, I really, really wish it was just Chris Saban versus Alex Shelley. You know, um, I think you could have maybe done Nick Wayne versus Alan Angels in a number one contenders match or anything else. But it's one of those matches where, you know, if if it's a triple threat with uh, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes and Kota Ibushi, you're kind of like, damn, I, I sort of wish it was uh, an Ibushi Omega singles match. Um so yeah, but I give that one three and a quarter. Overall, great show. If you were looking to get a prestige, this is a very good starting point. Now, we're going to hop on over to the North Portland Eagles Lodge, also located in Portland, Oregon, for Don't Own Anyone Pro Wrestling's DOA and out come the Wolves. So I watched the top three matches on this show. All title matches, just trying to get a sense of champions, you know, your main talent and how they're sort of booking programs is what I'm looking at here when I'm coming into the new promotions, right? I'm looking at belt design, what venues they're running, how big is their local audience. Um, commentary is such a big thing, you know, that really makes or breaks. So I'm really trying to look at this from a lot of different standpoints. I thought DOA pulled off the you know, the commentary better than prestige. They sort of leaned just into like the, their, uh, God, I, I guess I could, I should say their just their personalities more, you know, it seems to be a symptom of independent pro wrestling commentators. Um, you know, I look at people like, um, Dave Prezak, Veda Scott, um, like, people who really have their own voice, right? And I really, really appreciate that. And then there's people who all kind of sound the same. This is a lot like in deathmatch wrestling. Oh, it's the fuckery. Oh, it's the, the spooky dust. And it, it's not so much like, hey, we're, we're, you know, including words from this deathmatch lexicon, but it's more so like, you know, let's just try to throw up buzzwords like commentaries of fucking Mad Libs. So, and this is the whole thing where it's like, you know, people trying to almost be Mauro Ranallo in a way where you can tell this isn't their natural voice and it's very performative. And that's not to say that that person's voice without the performance wouldn't be good for commentary. I think it would be more pure for commentary and more honest. Um, so, you know, don't try to embrace this and quite literally voice that you don't own you know, lean into the one you have. Um, and it's just uh, obscure quotes from rap songs or other things to convey a pro wrestling moment. You don't really need it unless you're Mario Ronaldo or Nigel McGuinness because he could do anything. Um, all that said, Drake Kwan defends his DOA pure wrestling title against Liza Hall. Um, I thought this one was better than Liza versus Sky Blue. In fact, this was the better Drake Kwan match I've seen. He's been pure wrestling champion for a while now. Uh, his previous match I saw was against Kevin Blackwood. And surprisingly, I really, really did not like that match. Um, you know, with shoot style wrestling, it pretty much teeters between incredible to, oh my God, this is just the absolute most staged looking thing right now like they're not connecting the strikes are being sort of pulled 
the mat work's not great, technical's not good, and it's just very, uh, very, God, like a, <laughs> a sheep in uh, wolf's clothing, I guess. I, I I don't know what it would be. But Liza Hall rules. I really thought she should win here. Um, You know, this felt like she was ready to win. Other than that, just really sound work. Um, if you're a fan of technical wrestling, pure wrestling style matches, and you want to check out more, this is definitely one worth checking out. I gave this three and a half stars. Next up, the Hammer Brothers versus the Flaming Aces. Hammer Brothers, your DOA tag team champions. This went to a double count out. Uh, just a bad match in general. Um, you know, after the match goes to a double count out, the local audience turns, you know, on it. They're obviously pretty bummed out. This is your semi-main event, your tag team title match on you know, your first big show of the year, and you're clearly running the same weekend as Prestige using same similar talent. And um, yeah, don't do this. <laughs> it's fucking cheap. It's so cheap. And so when your manager has to come out and then announce that, hey, they're going to settle this on the next show, it's like, okay, and what about this one that I'm at right now? And then the poor ring announcer has to come out and people are still booing. And she's like, oh, you know, I know it wasn't the outcome we wanted, but, you know, that's the sign of a failure in booking. Um, and so that's something where I think you really need to go back and reassess the decisions, because if you need to extend something or get something somewhere, there are always other ways to do it than the most tired decades old pro wrestling cliches um now our doa grand title rebel kel defeats nick radford um this was a pretty okay match rebel kel you know six feet tall northwest talent um pretty good matches historically with people like vert vixen um i felt this was fine though radford is a pretty bland baby face or uh, is even though he plays heel, he just looks like the most generic NXT performance center talent that gets pumped out. Um, so I just don't think Kel had much to work against in terms of her underdog uphill fight. Uh, you know, she does win the title back in the end after losing it to Nick six months prior following a defense that same night against Shazza McKenzie, Shazza McKenzie at Queen of Thorns. So, you know, it seems like this ties up this story, and now hopefully Rebel Kel can move forward, and we'll see what happens with the grand title. Now, we're going to pop over to the south, and we're going to start moving rapid fire here. So, first place we're heading is Red Bank, Tennessee, at the TWE Arena for TWE's Barbed Wire Baptism. I watched the main event here, Jaden Newman defeating Suge D in a no ropes barbed or in a barbed wire baptism match, I should say. Um, you know, there were all sorts of barbed wire contraptions, uh, doors on the outside, a chair wrapped in it. Again, a violent plunder match. Something I really admire about no rope barbed wire, which, you know, I'll talk about later again, is just the... Um, you can't do a lot of flashy stuff with it. It's a lot more contained. It's a lot more intimate in the sense of you are grabbing each other and throwing each other and working sim simply against this wall, right, of just thorns. Um, so it's way more of a storytelling match, I think, than a big moves match. Um, the storytelling here did not really come through for me. You know, Jaden Newman seems to be the sort of ace of TWE right now. Now being backed by the Rev part of Tank's crew, Shug D, um, your Pan-African world champion, 
Um, this dude rules. I've seen a lot of his matches that I love. I thought this was, you know, a good two and three quarters match. Um, I didn't think this quite hit the level of a barbed wire baptism match that I was expecting or hoping for. Um, you know, the ending sequence was good, some large impacts, but yeah, I felt like it never really hit that level, especially at almost 22 minutes. Um, so now, Southern Honor Wrestling's Year of Honor from the Action Building in Canton, Georgia, with an actual cage match listed attendance of 411. So for a local in Canton, Georgia, that's pretty goddamn impressive. In fact, each time I've seen Southern Honor, it feels like they always have a full house. So they're doing something right here for their locals that I simply do not understand or connect with. Uh, here I watched our Southern Honor um, wrestling title Judeus, the champion defeating the Kenway. Um, just so many things I didn't like here. Judeus, I thought it first was Madcap Moss. Then I thought he was Lance Archer. Um, it's your generic big guy. Like he's maybe like out of control and he stomps around and, and throws people and he's got dreads. Um, I think we as a society have moved past the need for uh, this in general. <laughs> And he defeats the Kenway, who the commentary anytime did something, made sure to call him the Kenway. The Kenway gets hit. The Kenway drop kicks. Oh, the Kenway kicks out. Man, I, I understand if he his name is the brand, but it's it becomes grating at a certain point. Um, you know, this I thought was pretty poor all around. Really bland ending work. Judeus, um, you know, if anyone remembers uh God, like actually that's i'm like that's almost rude to cyrus from all japan but this guy works like gunner or what was jackson Riker? it's boring as shit it's just absolutely nothing kenway super bland baby face feels like uh titus alexander on day one uh so big pass here can't say i'm interested in coming back but you know if there is something that i should check out if you think i'm missing out something special in southern honor let me know i'm always eager to learn more and see things in new perspectives now we're gonna pop over to the midwest for gcw's no compadre hailing on italia hall chicago illinois first match violence is forever versus bang and matthews formerly known as the bang bros Really good match overall. Lots of fast action. Um, you know, local favorites, Bing and Matthews. And then this match hit that second gear where I thought that's definitely it. And then we had a series of just really exciting near falls. I gave this one three and a half stars. After this, uh, the show was plagued by uh, travel woes and frozen worlds meaning that a lot of talent wasn't able to make it, including Matt Cardona. So his Team Broski was replaced with Team Boom Boom as Colt Cabana let out Boom Boom Jimmy Lloyd and Steph DeLander to face SG Bussy, the team of One Called Manders, Alley Catch, and Effie. This is a funny match, um, some cool character work. Uh, nothing very lasting, though. Um... And then afterwards, this was pretty much a setup for Effie to call out Mance Warner. Uh, they're having a phenomenal feud right now. GCW's focusing a lot more on storytelling. So this is a great time to get in. Um, uh, yeah, cut a great promo. I thought it had some very good, um, honest energy to it, especially 
um, when Manders tried to, you know, he is best friends with Mance as well. So he's kind of caught in the middle. He's talking to Ali Catch behind. You can kind of see like, what is your boy doing here type gimmick. Um, and that brought a lot of, again, reality to it. And I appreciated the way that they tackled this. I think Effie and Mance are having a hell of a program. And we'll talk about it more on the next show. Next up, Joey Janela versus Myron Reed. This was the Myron Reed show. Janela, man, this guy is the Kevin Bacon of pro wrestling. He fought fucking Microman on the next show. Um, he's fought, got, I mean, you come up with a name, he's fought him pretty much. Um, and I admire him the hell, like admire the hell out of him. Uh, so Reed here though, just unbelievable moves everywhere. He's someone I've never really connected with. Um, I've been watching him since MLW when he was in that faction with God, Jordan Oliver. Um, and still he just never really broke through a ceiling of just you know sort of in comparison to other wrestlers that wrestle same styles but here this guy felt like a man possessed he felt like dale patrick's the weekend his fucking foot was broken he put out all the stops three and three quarters for this one this was my second favorite match of the show next up really good brawl between bullet club war dogs and los mazizos um two very big fucking strong men two absolutely skilled talented madman so this was a fun brawl three stars rina yamashita versus john wayne murdoch for the ultraviolet title i thought this one started hot as hell but it ended after five minutes uh you know really bummed about that this was the ultraviolet title match i was the most excited for in quite a bit uh with death matches you know things can happen uh any wrestling really where uh, a finish has to happen earlier than expected i'm not sure if that happened here, but yeah, only eight minutes. This just never really went above the expectations or anything, but what we got was still sound. Three stars. Blake Christian versus Calvin Tankman, two stars. I'm not a Blake Christian fan. I don't shy away from that. Uh, his style is antithetical to his character. Very much a get my shit in type person. Um... And so now they've teamed him up with Shane Mercer, his new henchman, which is definitely going to extend this title reign. Awesome. So this is sort of uh, an unfortunate match for Tankman in the sense of Christian just got his new heavy. There's no way they're switching the titles here. So Tankman's just kind of locked into a match with no real tension that was never really able to formulate any. Um after that, and I, I did skip some matches on these shows, so if I don't talk about it, it's just simply because I did not have time to watch. Nick Wayne, a surprise guest again, replacing Jonathan Gresham versus Leo Rush. Three stars. Um, you know, again, this is a match that happened. I love Nick Wayne. I love Leo Rush. I've seen this match, and this was good, but not as great as the others. Uh, our main event, Mustafa Ali, GCW debut against Gringo Loco. I went three and three quarters, can maybe go four here. 20 minute, hard as hell hitting, crazy fucking moves. Gringo Loco is that guy and Ali is the man. Um, after the match, Mustafa Ali puts over Gringo Loco in a, in a really great promo, talking about um, you know his frustrations with being told he was in the Cruiserweight Classic. Ali is, you know, who, who's speaking about himself here. Um, to then, you know, finding out he was only an alternate, uh, and being told, you know, if you really want to up your game and become someone special, train, train with that guy. And that guy was Gringo Loco. 
Mustafa Ali credits his 205 Live ace run, his matches, etc., etc., all to Gringo Loco, who really is an unsung hero and seems to finally be getting big flowers this past year. Um, big feuds with Vikingo, Psycho Clown, you know, on TV, on streaming services, on pay-per-view. That's exciting. That's awesome. Good main event overall. And next, the next night, they ran out of the Valleydale Ballroom in Columbus, Ohio for 56 birds. So opening match, uh, triple threat, Violence is Forever, Bang and Matthews, the rejects. Big old brawl. I like this one just as much as the night before. You pretty got much got a really solid retread of the fantastic uh, tag match the night before with way more plunder and brutality um, with the inclusion of the rejects, Reed Bentley and John Wayne Murdoch. Next up, Myron Reed versus Leo Rush. Man, this is a Leo Rush match that I thought stuck out. Um, Myron Reed, again here, I think really rose his stock and hopefully is someone that we see on GCW shows uh, is a is a mainstay going forward. You know, I think this guy, if anything from this past weekend, really indicated he is fucking hungry and he has skills. Um, after that, we got Broski, Jimmy, and uh, defeating one called Manders in a pretty hilarious match. Um, you know, you uh, and then we have a. I mean, dude, it's it's Broski, Jimmy. What can you not love? It's all gimmick bullshit, fucking around by Steph Delander. But uh, it's a lot of fun. After this, we had a contract signing between Effie and Mance Warner. Again, hell of a promo war here. Effie talking about how he is going to fucking kill Mance Warner. How he is going to take the title because he knows what it, it that it's what Mance cares about. And this, to me, is your heart and soul program right now, GCW. You look at what Blake Christian's doing, which is the same fucking thing every match. Uh, in his main title run. And then you look at this and it's, why are these not the two men fighting for the title? And why is it just, you know, fucking Blake Christian fighting again, your monster of the week or your local big name. Um, just God. Drop the title. <laughs> um, so yeah, great promo segment all around. Um, it ends with Effie signing the contract and then Mance busting Effie open and signing the contract for the match in Effie's blood. And this match will be happening um, in, God, end of January, I believe, which is exciting. You know, we're not holding off till spring break, which I thought for this. We're getting to it. We're getting big programs now. And hopefully this is something that has ramifications on spring break and the world title scene. After this, it's the... Definite match of the night and Joey Janela versus Microman. Janela defeating Microman for the extreme title. Again, Janela, the Kevin Bacon of pro wrestling. It is the six degrees of Joey Janela. Um, and um, it's like Joey Janela is a wrestler who can wrestle any style. And I think that he's at his best when he's working in these ultra stoner fantasy booked matches it's when his character work comes through so well his insanity his you know that toothless smile all that good shit and then we up the insanity i gave that one three and a half as well with the next match of three and a half stars joshua bishop versus hoodfoot just brutal match chair shots door shots all to the head um big moves big slams it's brutal it's an absolute war Joshua Bishop goes over Hoodfoot. I would have liked to see Hoodfoot win here. You know we got love for Hoodfoot. 
on Crime Update in Wrestle Update Universe. And then our main event, Jonathan Gresham versus Cole Radrick. I thought this was very forgettable. Um, I gave it two and a half stars. This was not the GCW main event I was expecting. And uh, yeah, pretty forgettable. So now, Freelance Wrestling, the show Rhapsody from Logan Square Auditorium in Chicago, Illinois. Um, Freelance world title match, Storm Graveson versus Calvin Tankman, another world title match. I gave this one two and a quarter. Tankman is a good talent, but I think he needs a great opponent to really, really shine through. Um, and Grayson did not seem like that opponent opponent that motivated him enough. Grayson, I did not know much about him, but his post-match promo, I will give him this, really slated me for understanding what has happened and what's going to happen this year. So in that sense, Grayson, you know, even though it was kind of a generic promo, he did exactly what uh, was needed for a new viewer to understand. Um, you know, he's been champ for a year. He's not going anywhere. So let's see what 2024 has in store for the freelance world champion, Storm Grayson. And now we're going to pop over to the East Coast. And this is our final show of the week. So it's H2O's Cage of Hell from the H2O Wrestling Center in Williamstown, New Jersey. Now, the H2O Danny Havoc Hardcore Title Cage of Hell match. Bam Sullivan defeats Alex Stretch, eliminated first. Jimmy Lyon and Neil D D Diamond Cutter eliminated second and third, respectively, at the same time. And then Mouse being eliminated by Killdozer off an absolutely fucking brutal choke slam bump. Uh, you know, Mouse is someone that I've been very on the fence with. God, it's so funny to, like, say this shit. Like, this is my reality. Um... As someone I've been on the fence with, I thought he really put on a great show in here. Um, you know, in terms of bumping and all that stuff, he was definitely the most memorable. He had some really crazy spots and all that, and he went all out. Um, and then finally, Bam Sullivan eliminates Killdozer the first time Killdozer has been pinned um, since this new gimmick resurgence for Matt Tremont. Um, afterwards, Bam Sullivan announces that at the next show, you know, it's... Uh, Danny Havoc hardcore, you know, Danny Havoc tribute show. I need to find the name real quick, actually, for this. Um, bear with me because it's an awesome name. It is. Oh, I don't even have it up, but something Havoc. It's not on Cage Match. Um, and he announced that he wants the 13 best deathmatch wrestlers, well, other 12, because he's the first entrant to join him in the unlucky 13 deathmatch tournament. And in every match, he will be putting the Danny Havoc Hardcore title on the line. So that sounds very exciting. H2O starting off hot as hell for the year. Um, my only notes for the match, I'd give this one like a very generous three. Um, the Cage of Hell match, the rules are that, you know, pin submission or leaving the cage. So having six guys inside of a cage that are full of weapons, it's pretty much hits a point where guys simply aren't able to even move. They're all just kind of standing um, so a lot of clunkiness, a lot of sort of just that classic wrestling guy having to lay down for the sake of laying down and fuck that must have sucked with all the glass. Um, so in the words of the famous and my favorite brother, Dylan Fox, with that said, you know, we love you and thank you so much until next time. This has been your crime update. Oh,